Hello, everybody. Lieutenant Brian Curtis of the 404 PD podcast. This is our first episode, very first one that we're going to be putting out here in January. And our first guest on our first episode is none other than Lane Thompson, the borough manager of Mechanicsburg. Hi there. Good to be here. Yeah. How you doing, Lane? Having fun. Good. I really appreciate you taking your time out of your busy schedule and coming in here and talking to us. We have a lot of kind of things. I basically put a sheet in front of you there to talk about all these things that we're going to be talking about. I'm really excited about uh, getting in here and really talking about the state of the borough and where things are and what your role is and stuff. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm uh, actually a local guy. Uh, I've lived here for about 15 years, um, but I've spent the last uh, almost 30 years in the federal government, whether it's active duty military or as a civil servant, um, have been at the federal level and then uh, recently retired and, and wanted to serve at the local level, and this job came available, so I jumped on it. Okay, awesome. So did you grow up in this area? You said you lived here the last 15 years? Yeah, no, my, my wife and I grew up together, actually, out in uh, in southern Maryland. And uh, our both of our dads were in the military. They were both Navy guys, and we grew up kind of together and went to the same high school. And uh, when I joined the military, we moved all around the world and then ended up here. Oh, very awesome. So you've yeah. lived all different states and countries? Or? Oh, yeah. Korea, Germany, California, St. Louis, uh, you name it. We've lived everywhere. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Now, did you rekindle that or were you, did you separate? You say you grew up together? Uh, then... No, just she went to college. I enlisted in the, in the Air Force and, and then uh, got back together when she was finished with college. And, you know, we've been together ever since. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. awesome. Sounds good. Now, how long have you been married? Uh, 25 years uh, this July. Good for you. Congratulations. Yeah, well, 25 years. That's a if we make it that long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very good. So, And you started here in the borough when? Uh, it's It's been almost a year ago. It was December 5th of last year. So it's been a little bit over a year. A little bit over a year. Yeah. Big changes? Is this a big difference uh, in what you were doing? Huge difference. Uh, very different um, when the people you serve are literally at your doorstep every day and you get to walk down the street and talk to them, you know, versus when you're at the Pentagon and, and the people you serve are all over the country and all over the world. So you don't really get a chance to interact with them. But uh, it's so much so much more direct and, and right there and real. Yeah, so really kind of uh, interacting with community members, the people mm -hmm. you're really working for. Yeah, it's great. It's great. And I was, it's like I was telling somebody the other day, The there's not a single day where uh, a resident doesn't tell me or, or, or teach me something that I completely never thought of or completely never understood before. Every single day here, it, that happens, and, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, um, when we talk about that, so what what is a borough manager? I mean, we have these uh, roles, I think, sometimes. We have boroughs and townships yeah. and, and cities. What does a borough manager do? Interestingly, uh, there's there's a really awesome history on what's kind of known as the city manager, uh, which nationwide is kind of the general term for, for my job, um, where basically when the town leadership got together, it used to be that the towns would elect council members or representatives of their town and then they would run the town. They would make investments in the, the roads and they would pay for electricity to be run, that sort of thing. But then the work got a little bit too much for them to handle in addition to their normal jobs. So, um, so they ended up hiring what they called a city manager. Uh, borough manager is just another implementation of that in Pennsylvania. And so what I do is I implement everything that the council members um, pass through ordinance or through um, any sort of official act within council. So I execute the budget. Um, I, I manage all the personnel, make sure that the work is accomplished in accordance with the, the council's desires. That's kind of the job in a nutshell. Okay, so you're kind of doing the day-to-day stuff in the background whereas council is basically saying what it is that you're to do day to day yeah they're they're the ones who figure out what should be done and then uh, I, and I make sure that it gets done okay awesome and how many council members do we have here in the borough we have seven and um it's uh we just went through an election where three of them uh were up for election all, all three were reelected, and um uh, I'll, I'll tell you that having worked with uh, all seven of them very closely over the last year uh, it's been very very um it's been a good engagement. It's been uh, very informative to me, and uh, I know that all seven of them represent the, the borough's residents very, very well. Yeah, excellent. And, and, and I can say as a lieutenant of the police department, I've interacted uh, with multiple councils, but also multiple borough managers, and I certainly am seeing an, 
a horizon, so to speak, is, is there's definitely a far out goal in mm. regards to it rather than just kind of like what's in front of us. Let's fix the problem today, but not think about the problems of tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, that's that's um, something that we really tried to focus on this year that in my first year was putting the right people in place to kind of get um, a longer view to try to, to work towards, like you said, the horizon. It, it seems it occurred to me very early when I started that um, kind of the borough was was in a kind of a sludge of operating year by year and and not really connecting them in a series that made strategic sense over time and that's what i've kind of focused on this year good that's awesome so i think that brings into a great transition on uh what the personnel changes we've kind of seen and some of the people you're bringing in yeah. to, to look at that horizon. Yeah, a co- couple of really great opportunities. Um, and, and again, um, most of the of the thanks for this comes from, you know, to the council because they, you know, I take to them, hey, uh, here's some, some things I think you can do to make the, the borough uh, um, operate better. And they took those into consideration. They allowed me to go out and hire a social media and outreach uh, manager, um, uh, Michaela Bear. Uh, she came on uh, in late summer and has really been knocking it out of the park with Facebook and, and with our website. Um, we also hired Luke Arnold, who um, I brought him on because when I got here, uh, one of the first things that I noticed was that we weren't, we weren't um, getting the level of grant support from the state and from federal government that I thought we should be. And really, I think it's because we hadn't kind of segmented off a specific person whose job it is to go and hunt down those grant opportunities, get those applications in, and pull the money in. doesn't matter for what. Uh, it could be for sewer, for highway, for parks, for anything. And, um, and it's already paid off. I mean, Luke's brought in um, more than a million dollars in, in grant dollars wow. um, this year. And, um, and really, his, his award recently of the... Um, um, five years um nearly nearly a million dollars over that five years for planting trees in the borough and his trees for all project is just going to be an amazing project so he's paid he's paid himself back for the borough time and time again already yeah because i'm certainly i'm assuming he's not making a million dollars a year (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's unfortunate because he probably deserves uh, as as talented as he is um but but uh, he's he just like Michaela. They're they're extremely energetic and, and new to public service. Um, both of them are uh, in their early twenties, and um, uh, with Luke especially operating right in his course of study from college in environmental science and ecology, with um, taking over our environmental programs. But then his his thoroughness and his really attention to detail when operating grants has really resulted in us not just getting grants awarded, but, you know, to get awarded a grant is kind of like 10% of the work. Actually executing that grant <laughs> and getting money back on a reimbursable grant is, is really a heavy lift, and he's been able to pull that off. So that, that's what I was going to follow up on. You know, with grants, I think um, sometimes there's a thought process that you apply for a grant. Um, the government, whether it be state, local, federal, comes to you and says, okay, we're going to give you this money. And then that's it. <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> right? <laughs> I wish. Uh, I, it's funny because I, I um, there are some grants that have been brought to me, even by Luke, and I say no. Uh, hey, if you look at if you look at the grant uh, requirements, uh, it, it it's kind of like um, the it, it's when we used to say in the military, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, <laughs> uh, where the the actual workload to um to to manage that grant and to report status when you're talking about a grant for five thousand dollars and it's going to cost you eight thousand dollars in man hours Mm -hmm. to manage that grant then obviously just spend the eight thousand dollars in cash so yeah so you've got to look wisely at it and figure out uh which which ones align with our strategic interests and he's been very good at it and um and i think we're we're going to I think the, the goal over the next couple of years is to try to match annual budgets with grant dollars to see if we can double uh, the amount of spendable revenue in the borough. Sure. And a lot of times, sometimes those grants, when they come in, obviously you have to continue the paperwork. Mm-hmm. You have to show where that money's going yeah. and why this grant is worth that. And that's just on the, the front end, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then as the, as the money comes in, then you have to show the progress. You have to show you're actually doing mm-hmm. the stuff that you had promised. Um, and then after that, sometimes there's a, um, the borough has to say, okay, well, we're going to continue this then afterwards at our own pace. That's right. And 
And the only reason I know that is, uh, you know, when we used to do DARE grants, when we were doing the DARE program, a lot of stuff with the police departments, you know, we uh-huh. there's a lot of grants out there. But then, just like you're saying, I, I like that idea is, is it worth, is the juice worth the squeeze? Yeah. Because sometimes there's a lot of stuff you really have to, to show. It's not just simply filling out a piece of paper and then they spray you a check. That's right. And, and, you know, there's also a public relations aspect to it because one of the... One of the things we've, we've run into recently is, you know, when you show on, you know, a uh, on, say, our borough Facebook site, uh, when you show, for instance, that we're going to do this project uh, and then in, in kind of smaller print, it says, uh, thanks to the grant provided by the state of Pennsylvania, um, a lot of residents will call in and they'll say and they'll say, hey, who approved this project and spending all this money. And, and so what we learned was that you really have to get out in front of it and make sure that you're being very clear. We're doing this project only because of the grants. If the grant right. wasn't there, we wouldn't be doing this project and, and really show that, you know, here's how much money the borough is putting into it. Here's how much money uh, is coming from other resources. Just to be very clear sure. that um, a, lot of, a lot of people, and, and I'll tell you to the borough's credit, a lot of residents pay very close attention to the budget, the way that it's spent, and um, and they they like to to keep the borough straight on on how the money is being spent, and it's really a great it's really a great feedback mechanism mm-hmm. um, on communications because it helps me and it helps the others in the borough kind of craft and shape how we want to communicate about things, and the grants is a real issue where we tried to be very clear this year about where money comes from, um, how the project is being funded. That way. We're not, um, we don't have any appearance that there's been a project started that, say, council didn't approve or that council didn't consider it during the last budget process, that sort of thing. Sure, yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, I think a lot of times people, when they hear these things, maybe they're working with nonprofits where you have a lot of what they refer to as matching grants. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll give you 5000 but you have to put 5000 of your own dollars there. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of grants out there that you don't have to match anything. That's right. You yeah. just have to show the progress. And they're competitive. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's not like um, just Mechanicsburg Borough is going for some of this money. So right. you're going against um, many municipalities, mm-hmm. and based upon the grant writing and, and how it's proposed. Um, That's right. Like the work we did at Finkenbeiner Park this year, the work that we've started already uh, on Railroad Avenue up near the Senior Center, and then um, we, we have a grant that we've been um, awarded to do. No, not awarded yet. We're waiting award on um, – uh, where the old quarry is on okay. making improvements to that. Um, I One of the things I told the council, I believe, at my first interview with them was uh, one of my top priorities would be to get rid of um, of all the barbed wire in the, <laughs> in the borough just because I thought it was an eyesore. And so I've really been attacking opportunities, especially at those two sites where the borough owns the property, mm-hmm. to, um, to get grant money, to make improvements to those sites, really with the express purpose of Get rid of the barbed wire. Make it look like a nice place. Uh, make it usable by the public. And and you know we want we have very little landmass in the borough, so we want to make sure the, that we can use all of it and not just have it surrounded by barbed wire and off limits. Sure, absolutely. That's uh, that's fantastic. I know um, some of the improvements I've seen just within the parks and kind of uh, taking down some of the fencing in some of the mm-hmm. areas. And um, you know there was certainly some history involved with that, but sometimes we yeah. have to. Uh, Get, get over, I don't want to say get over the history, but, you know, move past that history to create, you know, history for now, you mm-hmm. know, kind of move from there. So That's a lot right. of good improvements in, in the parks and such, and even kind of getting rid of trees, but also planting a lot of trees. And you had so, talked Absolutely. about the 500 more trees in five years. Wow. Wow. That's, that's awesome. So, um, one of the roles that you have is kind of basically, I don't want to say running the sewer plant, but kind of uh, supervising the running of the sewer plant. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on down there and some of the things that, uh, the state has kind of pushed to mandate mm-hmm. as far as improvements. Yeah. The sewer plant, I'll tell you, um, one of the most, um, underrated teams, I think that, uh, the entire local area has is our uh, sewer uh, plant personnel. Uh, people take for granted the idea that every time uh, you run water in the sink or flush the toilet, somebody's taking care of everything. Um, but I'll tell you, it, it's a it's a labor and and it's an effort to keep that process running. It's a piece of the infrastructure that's critical. Believe me, when that doesn't work, um, things will go very poorly very quick. <laughs> Um, but, but, you know, uh, Curtis Huey, who's the superintendent, does an outstanding job, and the team out there is just amazing, keeping our uh, sewer facility in top-notch condition. It's very old. 
uh, but they keep it in very top-notch condition. It's clean. It's one of the cleanest places uh, that I have seen. And 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 I'll tell you, having having spent time in the Navy and 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 obsessively worked on making sure that people clean um, engine spaces and that sort of thing. Uh, the sewer plant that we have is, is the cleanest facility that I've seen uh, inside, and they do a great job with it. They, I publish every uh, month in my um, borough manager's report all the chemical uh, performance, the chemistry performance that the sewer plant has. So um, that way residents can see uh, where all of our um, – chemistry performances and how it matches up with um, the environmental requirements. Great. So, so in other words, we don't just run water, flush a toilet, and it just goes somewhere. And wouldn't they, that be they, nice? They clean it, and then that's it, right? No, wouldn't that be nice? No, it actually <laughs> takes a team of experts, and I'll tell you, um, it's also one of the greatest uh, personal tours I've ever received is, is Curtis talking about um, building by building, process part by process part, how the sewer plant works and how it takes just the input sewage and puts out basically fresh water over mm-hmm. into the Conedogwinna Creek. And, um, and it, it's amazing how it works. And, and really, uh, it, it's, that's the team where when you hear someone's retiring and you hear someone's leaving, you kind of get freaked out because, <laughs> because it takes such expertise to run. And it's, a, it's a great team they've got over there. Yeah, awesome, spectacular. Now, uh, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, and I don't want to say talk so much, but through council meetings and such, we had a sewer authority at one time, then mm-hmm. it was maybe it was disbanded. Can you kind of talk a little bit about what the deal yeah, is? Yeah, um, in the last few years, uh, we went through a shift of responsibility, moving uh, management of the sewer operations um, back to the borough from the municipal authority. Um, and really, the municipal authority still exists, um, and we still participate in it once a month in meetings. And uh, those those meetings are public and they're advertised, and I encourage anybody to come out. But <coughs> excuse me. But really, at this point, the sewer authority's purpose is to ensure the the proper collection and administration of um, stormwater fees, and and they they are constantly asking questions uh, regarding stormwater projects and inlet repairs and um, every single thing that impacts the the uh, stormwater system. And they, this team of um, really volunteer members uh, really does know what they're doing. Uh, this year they went through a um, long and drawn-out uh, um, agreement process with Norfolk Southern Railroad about a stormwater bill uh, dispute, and um, we're able to resolve that uh, very cleanly and clearly, all in good faith throughout the process. And so very proud of them. They do, they do really good work. Well, the, the stormwater billing that you, that you talked about, I'm sure some people saw a little bit of increases. Was that something that just uh, somebody decided one day, hey, I think this is a way to uh, generate some funds? No, really um, the history of, of stormwater management and, and pollution reduction in general in the state of Pennsylvania is pretty, um, uh, it's recent history. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not uh, something that came from the 70s or 80s. This is new, the idea that... Um, hey, uh, the water that falls in our area in Pennsylvania ends up in the Chesapeake Bay. And if we don't treat that water effectively and if we don't collect it responsibly and, and route it responsibly out of the borough and into the proper streams, then downstream you have these, these effects with, uh, with the Chesapeake Bay and with pollution that goes into the ocean and, and affects our climate in general. And so state of Pennsylvania has several rules about uh, stormwater and, and, and protecting the environment. Uh, we comply with those rules as they're uh, kind of mature over time. And the collection of the fees really goes to maintaining the uh, operational infrastructure. So the stormwater inlets that you see on the road um, all the way through to um, where that either leaves the borough or leaves uh, land and goes into a, some stream or, or river, that sort of thing. Um, so stormwater, it's a very uh, complicated process. Um, most of the complexity is due to our geology here mm-hmm. in the borough. You know, everybody's familiar uh, with sinkholes and, and, and <laughs> the fact that our geology drives a pretty complicated um, uh, um, property ownership and pretty complicated land management. But stormwater plays a role in that because uh, everywhere rain drops, things happen. 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I and I think some of uh, the community members can kind of talk about that with just when when we do get some storms in here, we do get some areas that flood, mm -hmm. um, and kind of retain some water and stuff. And so some of that is managed through the storm water stuff. Yeah. Really. The um, so the when I came on board a year ago, we were just in the final stages of a contract to do. Um, flooding remediation over at the broad keller george kind of intersection over there and um you know now we're kind of at the latter stages of that project but but that whole project of you know had you know had uh purpose to reduce flooding to improve the roadway uh, because i think that part of the real understated issue is that um there's a stormwater impact on the surface of the roads in that if you don't have proper stormwater management underneath of the roads, then uh, the water will go in there anyway under the roads and start to erode away um, the the dirt and the and and the rocks underneath of your road, and then the road starts to collapse, and you get sinkholes, you get depressions, you get worn uh, roads, and and so the effort um, run by the municipal authority and executed by uh, a contractor on their behalf. It's been a good project. It's been slow because it's very complicated. Uh, but uh, hopefully we'll we'll finish that up in the spring and pave the pave the road there and and then that'll have a good uh, twenty or thirty year life. Good, good, and, and and obviously you know we see a lot of the the construction that goes on and and stuff and a lot of that's replacing that infrastructure underneath mm -hmm. that, what you don't see. Yeah, yeah, yeah it it's uh it's almost uh, another world down there, and I think uh, anybody who had a chance to go out there. Uh, and walk their dog or ride their bike past that construction site over on Keller over the last year has been able to see some amazing things that happen underneath of our roads. Uh, and and it's, it's a, a feat of engineering uh, to manage all of that. But at the same time, I mean, it's a game of inches. Uh, sure. Getting water to drain um, really requires sloped pipes by like three inches over <laughs> 500 feet and it's an amazing uh feat to see the engineers out there doing that properly yeah that's awesome so we're going to mm -hmm. be seeing a close to that a lot of things with the sewer plant mm -hmm. obviously one of the other things that people don't really maybe think about that falls under the sewer plant is the compost and the mulching yeah yeah now um this year i'm making a change um uh we're moving the compost over to uh luke for him to manage as an environmental program rather than a uh, sewage and waste program um, and I think what we want to do is make a, a determined shift from um, managing the compost facility to leveraging the compost facility and making sure that it's a, uh, a um, ad advanced um, service that our residents can have that continues on uh, you know we share that with the Silver Spring Township folks and, mm -hmm. and uh, and, and what we want to do is make sure it's managed properly. We want to keep it safe. Um, and that's why we're constantly reminding people what not to put in there. <laughs> um, and I think the last time I was over there was because there was a chair somebody had put in there. Oh, my gosh. And, um, and it, it, it's on the surface, it seems kind of funny. But, it, you know, in the end, when one person puts a chair there and then other people cover that with things that are legitimately uh, meant for compost and you start to take heavy machinery in there, that's when things get dangerous and you start throwing around metal objects and things like that. Sure, it gets dangerous yeah. for the employees, but also breaks equipment. I yeah, absolutely. And it ends up costing the borough money. And yeah. so uh, we continue to try to remind people, uh, make sure that you're, you're putting the proper materials in there and, and then taking advantage of it. Don't just put things in. I know that's helpful too, but also go back and, and take that leaf mulch out when it's available. Sure, and then and spread it back in your yard mm -hmm. and bring it back into the environment. And I think we can put the plug in for Curtis as well as not only put the yeah. stuff in the compost, but be careful what you're putting down the toilets and your drains as well. Absolutely. Um, I think uh, we were looking for some YouTube videos back a few months ago just to make sure people, it was very clear and, and, and transparent about what the problem is. And it's really about um, uh, demonstrating for people that the things that you think are safe, and I think the issue at the time was called flushable wipes. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, and it was it was funny because uh, even I had taken for granted the fact that if well if they say it's flushable wipes, they're flushable wipes. And so <laughs> and the problem is they're they might be flushable in that they'll go down the drain in the toilet, but um, they're not necessarily um, in most cases able to be processed by our sewer treatment. Um, machinery. So uh, lots of problems with that, lots of repairs that we had to undertake. Um, and, and it's just a constant battle. But our team, again, 
um, they're warriors down there and they, they keep the sewer plant running and, and they know they have a job to do and a mission to accomplish with, uh, with uh, wastewater treatment and they get it done. Awesome. Awesome. So talk a little bit about leaves then we can kind of maybe a perfect segue to our highway department and, uh, some, one of their yeah. roles is obviously leaf cleanup and street sweeping. And- yeah. Yeah. I, you know, this is the team that I probably put the most pressure on this year. Um, because uh, this is the team that we see out on the road all the time. And, uh, you know, C.H. Lair and, and his folks uh, have really done a spectacular turnaround this year. I think uh, the year prior there were some, you know, some unfinished projects and some kind of things that needed to be squared away. And, and I think this year has really shown uh, their ability to understand the issues, understand the bigger mission of the department and then um, go out there and get it done. They've, starting with, with uh, leaf collection, um, it, it, it's interesting because uh, spending a lot of years in the military, one of the things that you really train people and, and try to, to mentor people to do is not just to bring you the problem, but also to bring you a solution. And um, I got a call one day, I was walking around in the borough and CH called me and said, one of the leaf machines just broke and, I, and the first thing that went through my mind was, well, what am I going to do about this? I don't really know how to, you know, all I know is they're expensive and, <laughs> and I don't know where to get another one. And then, but, but it was so, it was so refreshing that, that when CH called me, he called and the very first thing he said was, however, however, I made some phone calls. Um, I'm talking to the folks uh, over at Camp Hill Borough, and they're going to lend us a machine. And so I just want to let you know that we're going to have to put out some instructions because it's a different kind of machine. It's also much more powerful, so you're going to have to keep your small children and animals <laughs> off the street. But but it, but it was it was really just a statement of his leadership and and of that team's ability to understand that a mission needs to be done, and that they uh, they don't just stop when the uh when the going gets tough right that's awesome because you know i I think as as executives as bosses the last thing we want is hey here's the problem now you fix it Mm -hmm. but here's a case where it's saying here's the problem but i have a solution already in hand and let's see if we can do it together that's right that's right i love it when they do that i love it i love when they come to you with uh uh hey boss the the real thing i needed to call you about is uh is i just want wanted you to tell uh Michaela, how to put it out on social media or something like that, you know, or, Hey, just want to let you know, in case you see some weird, but very loud leaf machine going around <laughs> uh, where it came from. It's always good when, when the solution comes as part of the problem. Outstanding. Yeah. So with the leaf collection this year, I know we had some hiccups last year, this year seemed to be a little smoother. Uh, you know, it's funny because, uh, leaf collection has so many <laughs> oddly moving parts. Um, there's machinery involved. There are parked cars involved uh there are uh, foreign objects that are in the the uh, leaf piles those issues uh we had some like uh like i was just describing we had some machinery failures um we had some just some unfortunate weather because um, uh you know one of the things we can't do is pick up leaves after rain uh because the 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 machines uh don't handle soggy leaves very well and so that doesn't that doesn't doesn't happen without uh, problems. So we had our issues with with um, leaf collection. What we were able to do is extend the collection season, uh, and I think that's something that goes to the flexibility of the team, but also um, the ability of our residents to flex. You know, mm-hmm. we got we got a lot of phone calls about you know what's going on, uh, but I think what um, you know asking us, hey. You know, I, I thought my piles were going to get picked up today. When are they going to get picked up? And um, I think that those are all the types of phone calls that we love to get because it it lets us know that people are counting on those services. It's sure. kind of a good feedback mechanism uh, to reassure us that we're doing the right thing at the right time. And, you know, for the team being flexible like that, one thing I don't really think that residents quite see into is – how many changes need to happen in the borough in order to say extend leaf collection by a week um, <laughs> right just how much goes into doing that it's so complicated about changing not just the way that the team has to conduct their work and their work plans for the next month or so 
but also all the other things that had to be put off. We had street sweeping that was coming on the back end of that that had to be renegotiated and had to be rescheduled. And so we had a whole bunch of machinations to go through just to extend leaf collection because of the machinery failure we had and the weather problem that we had. And, you know, great job by his team getting it done, but also a great job by the residents in staying ready for their leaf pickup and also uh, staying informed and paying attention to our Facebook site, giving us a call, that sort of thing. Yeah, I was just going to say that because I think I see a lot uh, a lot of communication uh, mm-hmm. through Facebook, um, and, yeah. but then even the borough website, mechanicsburgpa.org. They can go on there and you know get, maybe get some of those answers mm-hmm. and, and obviously has some things about you know what to do with the leaves, uh, yeah. what's not able to be taken down there and stuff, so a Absolutely. lot of education as well. So. Uh, so talk a little bit about the street sweep. Obviously, some things have changed with that over Yeah, uh, street years. sweeping. Um, so the current method is through contract. We use a company called Evercore, and uh, that's a contract for uh, three times. I think we did four times this year. I think we've got planned three plus the Jubilee Day cleanup afterwards uh, this coming year. And really um, – what we're kind of in the middle of is this constant monitoring of the value proposition of buying versus contracting for street sweeping. Um, there's there's a little side debate about the value of street sweeping, but that's kind of a minor one. Really, the mm-hmm. discussion that we're having behind the scenes right now is um, how, how, how much value can we get out of purchasing uh, street sweeping equipment vice um, – uh, contracting for the service. I know we used to own one and there were some repair and maintenance costs and issues. Uh, and so it's a standard um, municipal problem, uh, just like trash collection, just like paving, is you have to make decisions about what you can afford to take on yourself versus what makes more sense to outsource based on budget and available personnel and how, what the knowledge, skills, and abilities are to go and do those things. Sure. So, and I, and I guess the big thing for me, and, you know, just kind of knowing the ins and outs of it, you know, I have a little bit of an inner knowledge of it, mm-hmm. is it, the street sweeper itself is a piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it's a, a you know, $10,000 investment. No, no. Thinking. They're about two hundred grand, and, uh, and, and any maintenance, it's like, it's like owning a BMW, <laughs> which I've never done. But, uh, uh, you know, any sort of maintenance you need to, to do with it is going to cost you a lot. Sure. And, uh, and really, the, the issue is not can our people own and maintain expensive equipment. The issue is uh, can we push that risk onto somebody else, like a contractor? And, and so as long as that value proposition is there to where it's their equipment, and if they run over, you know, a, um, I think I want to say, uh, the last thing that they ran over was somebody had put, there was a small pile of, of um, uh, leaves sitting there and the driver thought they could just drive right over the leaves and clean it up. And then it turned out that there was a giant rock <sighs> in there that just went right into the machinery. Oh, wow. and, and, and really it's that sort of thing that, that risk that, that you just look at and you say, you know, that repair probably cost them tens of thousands of dollars. We should probably benefit right now by continuing to outsource that, you know, looking at the business proposition and then making decisions each year about, hey, you know, uh, should we buy one and, you know, commit to a five or six year span? Right uh, of of doing that ourselves, or should we just continue to outsource? Yeah, and then and, and the, obviously we have to pay someone to drive it if yeah, we you know invest right. our own. That's so right. that takes one person uh, away from other projects. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's it's definitely uh, in, in a lot of more of a, a shuffling. Yeah, you know, it's not so much just a hey, let's just make this purchase and do it. And it's an easy decision. Right, right. So yeah, and and I would agree. I mean, I remember uh, the one jubilee day when the uh, street sweeper went down when we had had it contracted. And it was like, um, okay, so are we going to clean the streets? And like, mm-hmm. oh, we have another machine coming. Yeah. Whereas if that had happened and it was our machine, the streets wouldn't have gotten swept. Right, exactly. And I think, um, you know, it's it's kind of a team effort. The, the street sweeping is about uh, maintaining a, a safe and a aesthetically pleasing uh, town. And, and it's a team effort because the residents need to participate in that by moving their cars um, and, and, you know, we need to, the borough needs to oversee the contractor and their performance and make sure that that's a high quality. But we also need to do some strategic thinking about um, the balance of street sweeping and, and maybe maybe we need to, to rethink how we, how we procure those services. Maybe we need to think about 
hey, should we be doing it um, three times in the downtown for every one time out in the residential mm -hmm. areas and really basing it on getting the performance that we want and the cleanliness where it is most needed at the time of service. Sure. And so a better maybe mix of delivery of that service will do, but it's all things that we just constantly look at. It's not, it's not something that it's, it's interesting because somebody asked me, how can you, how can you spend your day thinking about street sweeping? And I said, you know, <laughs> I never thought about, I never thought I could do that, you know, five years ago, but, but I'll tell you, it's, it's worth obsessing over when you really are talking about, uh, a borough with a very small budget mm -hmm. and you're talking about street sweeping is an expensive proposition and and it needs to be done however uh it, it doesn't need to be done at any cost it needs to be right. done at the right cost right exactly. so so obsessing over it is about obsessing over value and the right return on, uh, on the the revenues that the, the taxpayer pays right and i think you bring up a good point it has to be done yeah. um if we don't do the street sweeping yeah, causes all kinds of other issues. Yeah, if we don't do street sweeping, uh, there's a whole lot of pollution issues, safety issues, sanitation issues uh, that we run into. In addition to just having uh, a, um, setting up poor presentation mm -hmm. for our visitors and our residents, and um, and I think uh, it's funny. I was just talking with um, I was recently in in Europe, and I, I was talking to the folks in Norway there, and they were saying that they they pay their retirees uh, retirement checks, kind of like their social security, requires them to do a certain number of community service hours. And so like when you walk around the streets there, there are people walking around cleaning up constantly uh, the streets and they say, well, we don't do street sweeping because we have these people. And I said, well, oh, how wow. many do you have? And they said, well, for a town like this, and it was about the same size as, as, as the borough, for a town like this, uh, we have about 50 people uh, who come out and they do this about four hours a day. And I did the math and I figured out, I was like, wow, you know, so we're actually getting a pretty good deal for <laughs> yeah. our street sweeper costs because we couldn't afford to pay people that much sure. to come yeah. out four hours a day, 50 people a day to do that same job. We wow. couldn't afford it. So, so you're not uh, suggesting at all that we start <laughs> no. bringing some retirees in. No, but, uh -uh. Uh, interesting. It's interesting, you know, uh -huh. just with the differences in, in how things get done. And, and certainly I'm going to assume that it's not like you just look at how Mechanicsburg does it. You're out there talking to other yeah. municipalities. Yeah, I go. Uh, so not only do I kind of meet with other municipalities about once a month uh, for a breakfast, but um, but we also go to, um, to borough conferences, boroughs throughout Pennsylvania, get together twice a year. And uh, we exchange ideas and, and lessons learned on these things. And um, I, I'll tell you, my experience overall is uh, there are a lot of boroughs out there that have some real significant problems. And, um, and while we have serious issues that need to, to show improvement and, and, uh, and show gains year over year, uh, there are some boroughs out there that are, that are really, really bad off. And, and uh, there are some that, that uh, Camp Hill borough and, and, and myself and uh, the guys o over at Shippensburg uh, have volunteered to kind of help out a little bit with some different things just on how do you do ordinances and things like that. Yeah, nice. But, um, but, but I'm impressed when I go and I meet with these folks at where the borough of Mechanicsburg sits in that, in that list of, of boroughs in Pennsylvania. It's, it it's really stacks up pretty high across the state. So street sweeping's high on that. That's sometimes a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I, street <laughs> sweeping is, uh, it's one of those, if it stopped, people would notice it right away. <laughs> That's right. But, if, but as long as it's going, people are going to question whether or not it's necessary. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, I guess that brings up the elephant in the room, paving. Where yeah. are we at with the, the streets in town? And paving stuff. is uh, it's my favorite topic because it's the one I get the most phone calls on. Um, paving, where we sit right now is uh, we just finished uh, the paving project that was passed uh, two years ago. And um, so that was a $1.4 million project that was executed this year. And um, you can go out and you can see all of the places where sections of road were cut out and replaced. Um, it's not, in most cases, a curb-to-curb -curb paving. Uh, that's simply um, too expensive for uh, uh, the work that needs to get done. Uh, the, the other strategy, the strategy that the borough has decided to use is um, we're going to attack sections of road that are in the worst condition. 
And so the phase one that we just finished uh, was about 1.4 million. Um, this summer uh, in 24, we're going to start another project that's going to be about $2 million worth. And then that's a regular cycle that will happen about every other year after that of paving projects. So um, I'm looking forward to it because I think this time I want to make sure that we do some better strategic communications about it. Uh, I know that there was a plan going into the 2023 paving uh, on what priorities were and where we were going to do the work, but that plan wasn't communicated very well. And the lesson I think we learned was to get out in front of that and tell all the residents what's going to get paved, when it's going to get paved, and then and then to make sure as we're going through the process, if any of those plans change, to make sure that we're, we're staying informative and transparent with with the public because not only does it uh obstruct traffic while we're doing it Mm -hmm. uh, but it also it's a noise issue i got a lot of phone calls about uh the contractor in the summertime tended to start around 6 a.m uh so that they could finish earlier and finish before the heat of the day in a lot of cases and um got a lot of phone calls about that but but i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we weren't communicating as best we could so that's what we're going to do this year to try to improve is communicate better about what we're going to do when we're going to do it good and then and, and for how long obviously but then the weather plays into that factor yeah um you know when it comes to that paving though it's not just simply just running a, a machine over it you know there's a lot of stuff that needs to be cleaned up sometimes oh, yeah. and you find the damage worse underneath yeah i think it's it's funny because our engineer greg rogalski uh i asked him you know when i was very new and i, I I guess you could easily argue I'm still very new, but <laughs> but uh, but I would say I was here less than a couple of weeks, and I was talking about the paving project with him, and I said, I said, but you can tell me how much it costs per, you know, mile of road, right? Because we're trying to kind of figure out what's the budget for next year, that kind of stuff. And he he looks at me, and he goes, "Late," he said, "When you start to pull up the road in the borough, you ne- you don't have any idea what's underneath of it." And what problem? What it was made of before the last, um, the last uh, 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 paving was done. What it originally was laid as, and we have no idea. Is there real road? Are there sinkholes underneath? Are we going to pull it up and there's a, there's a, you know, a giant eight foot by eight foot sinkhole underneath? And and he was right. You know, um, you know, you think you're going to go in and you're going to do, you know, a hundred percent of what you plan to do, but then because of troubles you run into, you only accomplish about 80% because the other 20% of the of the contract had to go to uh, mitigating those issues as they come up. Right, because they, they also have to be paid for. It's not like yeah. it's the contractor says, right. well, we're going to take that payment on. Absolutely. So that expense. Yeah. Uh, and then also there, there's the issue, that I know the, there's plans to pave, but then there's also infrastructure projects, whether it be UGI or the water company coming in and yeah. replacing. So the last thing we want to do is put a road down, spend that money, and then have somebody come in and cut it up. That's the part of orchestra coordination that is so tricky, is trying to work with all the utilities companies to make sure that before we do uh, a top-of-the-road paving uh, kind of project, that within the next three years or five years, someone's not in there ripping something up that we knew or could have known was going to happen. Because uh, that would be the worst investment, right, to have to do that again. And so um, we, we've created a pretty good working relationship with them. I think the next steps in that relationship are to uh, uh, really start to get to a better integrated schedule to where um, we're not just calling and saying, hey, I'm working next week. What are you doing? <laughs> but it's more like, um, hey, what are you doing next, next year, year and the year right. after? That sort of thing. Yeah, good. Uh, I guess that kind of brings into you know another thing that we can kind of transition into is, is snow. We've been lucky. No, no real snow yeah. or ice. I used things. to be a big fan of snow until I became the borough manager. <laughs> and now I hope for rain. I It's sad because also, well, maybe also because my kids are all are grown. But um, I used to love snow. And, and then when I realized how much snow costs uh, every time that there is a snow event, how much money that costs the borough, uh, <clears throat> that's when you start to see those snowflakes and think to yourself, please stop. Yeah. Please, please just stop. <laughs> well, my <laughs> wife was talking uh, just the other day when it was raining. She said, oh, I wish this was snow. It would be mm-hmm. about three feet. And I said, no, mm-hmm. I'll take the rain. Yeah, me too, every so, time. So you, so you started a program, um, and apparently the police department has to look into it because you might have stolen it from somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. No, uh, I'll tell you, the um, it's 
So, so lesson learned from long federal and military experiences. If someone has already figured something out, <laughs> steal that idea from them. Um, so a resident saw a news report out of Pittsburgh about this snow angel program. And then they just sent me the news clip and said, how hard would it be for us to go do something like this? And I just sent it to Michaela and said, hey, can we just put this up tonight? Can you just create this stuff and put this up tonight? And she's like, sure, this is easy. And um, it, it's a great program. And really uh, what I think that it highlights best is really two things. It, one, it, it highlights um, our residents' willingness, ability, and interest in identifying solutions and having a place to send them, having a forum to send them in and feeling comfortable that if I send something to the borough office through either the website or the phone or email or just walk in and talk to, to the borough manager, which happens all the time and I love it, um, that there will be something done, that, that a good idea is not left uh, unexplored. And then, and then the second thing is this really is an opportunity for our borough to meet halfway when it comes to uh, stressful situations. Snow is, is fun for kids to play in, but for the vast majority of us in the adult uh, <laughs> world, uh, snow causes a lot of problems, and this really helps with that. Yes. Yeah, so what, what what does the program encompass, and yeah, how can we it, get involved with it? So the program has two sides to it. One side is, is hey, I could use some help, and the other side is, is hey, I, I would love to help. And so what it does is it allows you to go onto our website and uh, fill out a form. And the form, uh, the links are on our Facebook page, but it actually kind of connects to our website where the form collects the data. And it's really about you put in your information. And if you believe in a snow event that you need help for, for any particular reason, uh, cleaning your, your driveway or your sidewalk or your front porch uh, from snow, uh, you just put it in the website form. And then it kind of goes to Michaela and she looks at it. We have another form. That's for people who say, hey, when it snows outside, I know people have issues and I want to help. And then you put in their personal information. And then what we do is match them up based on, you know, whether it's proximity to each other, whether it's just a good fit of uh, person to person on availability, that sort of thing. And the, the premise here is volunteers helping other people remove snow on their property. And, um, and I think it's a great program. I think uh, we sat in a meeting when we were talking about that. It was a staff meeting, but we were talking about this issue. And I think we came up with no less than five or six or seven other similar type of scenarios mm -hmm. where a person could use a, a helping hand and, and, and another person would love to volunteer that help. And so I think you'll be seeing this as a pattern of new opportunities within the borough to help a neighbor. Great. So person whoever they are wherever they live mm -hmm. they can say, they can go on to facebook or to the website and yeah. say hey i'm willing to be a person that somebody can contact and i'll come yep. and remove that snow for that person yeah or the other side of it is that person whether it be elderly sick um you know having some issues just being able to get out maybe a back That's issue right. that happened they can do the same thing fill out the form and mm -hmm. then you'll match them up together to get that person to come and and no fee <laughs> no, no, okay. no fee. I would say uh, perhaps a hearty thank you at the end would be great. <laughs> but uh, but really, no, it's about it's about people understanding that um, there's an opportunity to help and uh, and and then lending that hand. And, awesome. and I think I it's think a, it's truly just being neighbors. I think it's a spectacular idea. I mean, I remember as a kid when it would snow, I'd go around with a shovel yeah. with my twin and we'd try to get 10 bucks just to yeah. shovel a driveway. But <laughs> yeah. we, just, we just don't see that as much. No, you know? no. And, and unfortunately, you know, unfortunate or fortunate you know we don't see neighbors kind of talking to each other and doing those things mm -hmm. i know when uh when i was living um before where i am now uh, i would shovel and remove snow from my neighbors mm -hmm. all the time because he was he was elderly and just couldn't do it um but he knew that that was what was going to happen and it's kind of nice for someone to have that in their mind then that if it snows it's not going to be a stressful event it's going to be okay i, right. I can enjoy it and then i know the stuff's going right. to get removed uh, from there yeah. and anybody can, can can make those references like you know police department you know we're driving around we see somebody doesn't remove yeah. snow we'll go up talk to them and say hey well, we can call into the borough and get you hooked up with this side of absolutely thing. absolutely uh, family members can call in for yeah the and i think the uh i think the the program will go as far as volunteers exist uh and and really uh that's what we're going to try to work to do is get the word out and make sure that uh that people who want to volunteer are are pointed as to where to go and 
and then you know hopefully we can get somebody to match up with everybody in need and um, if not what we'll learn I think is what the approximate need is year over sure. year and then we'll find better ways to advertise it and that sort of thing absolutely and put you on the spot have we we have some people in the in the pipeline there we that do. help out and we have hooked up i want to say four or five different uh outstanding uh, relationships there and and they keep coming in and and so good. i think that michaela will keep handling it and and we'll just keep working it good that's awesome good yeah. great news um, so another thing that was talked about at last council meeting, the purchase of a new building. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Yeah. The, uh, so we have a, a strategic facilities plan that, um, that we've been kind of working on since I started. And part of the strategic facilities plan um, has always had to do with answering the question about the two Allen Street properties, which is which is uh, the municipal and the police station, and then also the public works and highway department. Um, both of those properties are in pretty bad shape as far as the infrastructure goes and um, roofs and things like that. The maintenance costs kind of go up every year. And so what the infrastructure plan does is kind of says, hey, in 2050, it's a long view, in 2050, uh, what should we be? Where should we be located? And in a broad sense, uh, six months ago or so, um, kind of the the strategy was, well, we need to kind of make sure that we're uh, putting the highway department in a place that's uh, able to house the equipment that they have and the salt that they have to store and the people that they have in a little bit better and more well-maintained space. And then our municipal uh, building and our police department um, really could, could use a, a facility that is uh, a little bit um, better tailored to their needs rather than just kind of occupying mm-hmm. like a hermit crab, I think, uh, occupying <laughs> uh, the building as it became available. Moving into somebody else's house and yeah, making yeah. it fit. <laughs> and and so it, it kind of, um, we were working on that path and, and really just saying, hey, these are things we need to keep thinking about and <clears throat> strategies we need to keep working on, long-term plan. But then um, late this summer, the owners of... Um, the Frankie Burger place over there on Main Street contacted us and said, "Hey, we're we're going to be divesting ourselves of our properties, and we wanted to um, really work with you before we went onto the <clears throat> onto the the um, the commercial market and just sold it to just anybody. Mm-hmm. And it was a great opportunity. Um, it it just kind of hit us by surprise a little bit, but we wanted to make sure that we could react and and take advantage of the moment if it was if it's a good deal." And um, so we worked through a very regimented process uh, where <clears throat> first uh, we had some preliminary discussions with them. We walked through the building, that sort of thing. And then um, then we entered kind of a formal letter of interest, which kind of just uh, really the purpose it served for us was to ensure that the seller um, wasn't out selling it to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, after that, uh, we recently were able to move from doing that in private to doing that in public um, when we uh, approved the purchase agreement and we approved the bond issuance for the for the funding. Um, and, and really, I think the, the solicitor explained it very well at the last meeting as to why we were doing things in private up until then. Um, one of the one of the big reasons why, um, the acquisition of real estate is is not is an exception to the Sunshine Law, and it's, it's something that you can do in executive session. Is that we, if the public knows that we're working on a real estate um, transaction, then that can cause that property or real estate uh, value to shoot up sure. and a bidding war to happen. And what we didn't want to do is is have that leak out and then have. <clears throat> and then really lose the opportunity because someone came in and offered more money, that sort of thing. Right, right. So, so in in, in a way, although it's it seems to be in secret, there's a reason for that to make sure that the investment is at the right price yeah. for the taxpayers. Yeah, and keeping it um, an exclusive relationship and keeping it at a good investment level. And really, um, we still have now, even that we're in public um, after the purchase agreement. Uh, we still have a few more approvals that that council will have the opportunity to look at uh, what's before them with the debt that that will they'll take on to, to afford it with the uh, bond issuance and what the bond um, uh, repayment terms are going to look like mm-hmm. that'll be throughout um, January 
Uh, we also have a number of mechanical inspections that have to happen in January, all to come to this kind of final um, uh, approval that they're going to need to make in order for us to issue the bond for the money uh, and then close on the, the real estate itself. And that's when the final decision yeah. per se gets and, made. And yeah. I think what, what, what they've done, the council has done that is really helpful is um, they've they kind of got out in front of the um, the public aspect and saying, mm-hmm. hey, every meeting that we have between now and then, we're going to give an overview of the, the, the proposition before us. We're going to talk about the status of it. We're going to take any public comment, you know, at, at every meeting. And then we're going to churn that back into the dialogue, kind of giving every single moment the opportunity to, for the for the public to weigh in. Uh, that way they know, uh, you know, come come February or whenever it is that they're ready to make that final decision, they feel like they're fully uh, engaged and informed about by their decision. So, so the communication is not done. This is the public can come to these meetings, <clears throat> absolutely, hear what's going on, and give their input. Yeah, and they don't necessarily even have to go to a meeting per se. They can send an email in. They can right. you know talk and, to somebody. And every the- time, uh, so far, we've done two press releases that were um, that we send over to the Sentinel, um, and I think a lot of our residents do keep up to speed on that. That kind of remind folks, hey, here's the here's what we're doing. Um, here's the me- the number of times you can weigh in publicly on it and see what's happening. And then also the presentation that I presented um, the last meeting uh, is available on our website. And that will continue to be updated. And I'll be providing a new update to that on, the, on Tuesday, uh, on the 2nd of January, um, to the public uh, as, as this situation kind of matures. Good, good. So I, I, I think the, the one thing that we keep kind of putting out here is if you have questions, go to the, the website, uh, go to Facebook. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The Borough Council meetings are live streamed. They are live streamed, yeah. YouTube. So if you can't mm-hmm. make it, you can certainly watch it live or you can go back and watch a taped. Absolutely. Afterwards, so, you can go back and watch it. And you can always, always, always call the borough office, send me an email. Um, and, and no question is a dumb question. Uh, all, all, all will be answered. Uh, and so uh, really the, the goal here is to make sure that the council members, as they're going through this deliberation process about purchasing this property, have all the technical and financial information they can mm-hmm. get from the borough, from my, from my team, and then that they have all of the opinion and observation from the public that, that they can through public meetings and through their own engagement with the public. And that way, uh, when they come in to make that final vote, they feel like they're they've uh, they've you know turned over every stone and and they understand what they're what they're getting into there. Good, good. Yeah. And um, one last thing that we had talked about right before we kind of did things: a traffic safety committee. Uh, yeah, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, What's it's, the... it's called the local traffic advisory committee, and um, and it actually gets its name from a PennDOT publication that kind of says, "Hey, boroughs should have these," and. And it, it came up because um, when we went through the market and marble traffic analysis and when, when the borough was denied by PennDOT um, being able to make that a four-way stop, uh, you know, there was this kind of sense of, well, what do we do next? And mm-hmm. I remember that uh, uh, Council President Miller and myself um, uh, went uh, to go see uh, a couple of elected officials and talk to them about it, you know, at the, at the state level. And, um, and really what we came away with was how are we going to, how are we going to work these issues in the future? And, and, you know, it's, it's, they come up so frequently with pedestrian safety and, and traffic safety and speed and those sorts of things. Um, can we just create this committee, uh, and then bring on residents to represent, you know, the community interest in traffic safety. And so, um, we got four volunteers um, who were appointed to the committee. Um, the count, the committee chair is Councilman O'Neill, um, but we have we have uh, uh, the borough engineers on it. We have a traffic safety specialist from our borough engineers office. Uh, I'm a member of it, and then we also have a member from the police department that's mm-hmm. on it, and uh, and we prioritize and talk about. Um, how to solve safety issues. Most of that discussion right now, kind of the center of gravity is around pedestrian safety. Um, but I think they're all, they're all joined. They're all, they're, they're very dovetailed. The issue of pedestrian safety is connected to traffic in general and speed and those sorts of things. And so 
it's a it's a lively committee. Um, <laughs> as you can imagine, when you start yeah. talking about safety, there's a lot of passion around it. There's a lot of uh, a lot of emotion uh, baked into talking about personal safety. And um, every single one, what's most impressive about it is every single member, uh, you can genuinely see that they're there because they're interested in their neighbors and keeping sure. the community safe. And now the, the, the fire that we have in the committee, the, the interesting dialogue and what I would call sporty debate is really about how, how to make improvements more quickly. And it really is about speed of government and speed of contracts and, and how money works in, in local government. And so um, we're getting there. I think, uh, you know, you know how groups have this kind of storming and then forming, norming. <laughs> right, and, right. You know, I think we're, we're coming out of that storming phase and we're really getting into to trying to get up on a plane to where uh, they can deliberate. Um, topics, uh, conclude on initiatives, and then move forward to execute. And I think they have some great ideas. I just can't wait to see them happen. Right, and, and I think what's a great thing about this is, you know, you talk about the storming. The norming is a lot of times people come in and say, this is what I want, and we start to open that conversation, and there's a lot more behind the scenes. It's like the guy that sits behind yeah. the curtain, you know, that you have to get through, and, and it's not so much about, hey, I want this, and okay, well, we're going to make it happen. Yeah, and it's so – it's um, one of the big – it's a, it was a disappointment to me as well when the the veil was lifted um, regarding um, state roads versus local roads and <laughs> and, and I'll tell you it, it's uh, it's something that we're working with our PennDOT District Eight um, leadership on is how we can work more closely with them on the state roads issue because most most of the issues that the traffic advisory committee is dealing with is on state roads. And so most of the solutions that, that we're talking about have to be worked through PennDOT processes. Mm -hmm. And those processes aren't fast. And those processes, in some cases, aren't going to produce, um, in all likelihood, the the outcome that we would like them That's to. That's desired, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so, you know, we work on it. We did the speed reduction thing. That mm -hmm. worked. The speed reduction on Main Street actually um, uh, contacting PennDOT saying, hey, you know, uh, we need you to come out here and do this evaluation again. And, uh, and I think that's a big piece of work that it happened, um, oddly, just before the first meeting of the Traffic Advisory Committee was when we got that memo. Uh, and, and it was such good news because one of the hot topics was why east of Walnut, um, why Main Street was still 35 miles an hour uh, when you have all those kind of houses fronting mm -hmm. the road there. And, and um and then, you know, wouldn't you know it, uh, they did their study and they're like, hey, yeah, you're right. And, and you know, reduce it all to 25. It still remains to be seen um, what more changes we can get from them. I'm not done. And neither is our, our, our council members with sure. the market and marble thing. Yeah. The market and marble thing kind of kind of gets me every time I go through that intersection or walk around the borough. Yeah. Uh, because it's an obvious it's an obvious right. uh, choice to me. I mean, if you go to uh, Marble and York, Marble and Shepherdstown, those are all four-way stops everywhere. Yeah. yeah, everywhere on Marble, except for, except for Market Street. Marble. Yeah, and and that's just something I want to keep attacking. Yeah, good. Yeah. And, and and as I'm sitting here thinking about this, I think we could probably do an entire episode <laughs> on traffic safety. Sure could, you know, yes. we could keep going on for that with speed, with stop signs, with truck traffic, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. we'll have you back to do. Uh, talk about that kind yeah of stuff we'll bring in too. some some truckers to, yeah <laughs> to explain to us why they must turn right on walnut and maine why? at an intersection that yes. says no turns right why they yeah. must do that well the number one reason gps told me to <laughs> so. gps said yeah yeah well lane i appreciate it let's talk a little bit uh before we leave here hiring are we, do we have any open positions yeah. you can join the team here yeah i'll tell you um we have two positions that are about to be released on our website uh, if you go to mechanicsburgpa.org, at the top, there's uh, employment opportunities. Uh, we'll be hiring a person for our highway crew, and then also um, we're going to be hiring in our uh, borough staff office for a customer service representative as well. So, Spectacular. Uh, great opportunities, and, um, and we're really looking for people who want to be part of something bigger. And, uh, and move the borough forward. Yeah, so there's not just two people that work down there, you and somebody else? <laughs> no, no. It, 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 is, it, is, uh, it seems like 
it seems like uh, every time that you think you've got the right amount of people, there's always a piece of work <laughs> you uncover and you're like, oh, man. Yeah. But uh, but I think with the current budget that we just passed and with the uh, uh, with these new hires that we're going to make, um, we're going to make a good year this year, and it's going to be very good for the borough. Outstanding. 2024 is looking up, and yeah. uh, you said about that budget, the, the words people like to hear is, what's that? No, <laughs> no tax, tax increase, increase yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it's funny because um, – when I went to the first committee meeting for the finance committee for this year's budget, it's the first time I'd ever done, you know, obviously this local budget. And the uh, and, uh, very first question I was asked was, um, hey, I noticed in the material you provided that you're not proposing a tax increase. And I said, I said, I, I didn't realize we could do that. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was kind of like a, it was kind of like a, well, no, kind of the going in premise was that, um, you know, the whole planning effort was, you know, the revenues are what they are and, and let's go figure that out. Right. You know, obviously, um, as it's, as the town grow, as the borough grows and as the, um, our municipal services, um, grow through inflation and through just cost of materials sure. and cost of labor, um, you know, there does come a point when, when you have to take plans, uh, to the elected officials that involve tax increases, but it's such a serious, Mm-hmm. And significant event, and it takes so much um, uh, thorough homework in the background yeah. to make sure that by the time before they decide to do that, um, it is it is well understood why why you know what it's going to go for, uh, and then and then you know what does it mean in the big picture. And so um, I think for this year, uh, it was it was uh, a good thing to come out and, and just be able to say, hey, we can do the same or better work. Um, with the same revenue this year and um you know and a lot of that has to do with grant money coming in yeah and yeah. Uh, but uh, i look forward to it and i look forward to to seeing um um what the the long term the big 10-year plan has in store for taxes. good we'll see where that goes Go, going towards that horizon again so that's right well lane uh, i really appreciate you taking the time today uh sure. on your busy schedule and i think uh both you and I were actually off today. <laughs> Said, "Hey, let's. Hey, this no better be the time. easiest day to do it, right? No better time. So, yeah. So we come in and, and and did this talk. I very much appreciate. it. I really look forward to working with you in the future. It's been a good year. Uh, you brought a lot a lot of good things to the borough. I'm really looking forward to what we can uh, work on together through the police department and everything. Yeah. And and obviously borough council. You know, it's it's nice to have a supportive council. And yeah. Well, thanks for having me. And and uh, I you know I think uh, you're headed in a great direction with this podcast. So I'd encourage everybody to, to tune into the next one and, uh, and then uh, find a way for them to, to send you some ideas for future topics. Yeah, so we're going to uh, – we have an email address set up, uh, 404pdpodcast at gmail.com if you want to send in any ideas, if you want to be a guest, or any comments or questions you have. If I get any questions, I can ask Lane about them. We can answer them next time then and uh, look to – so we'll see you at work tomorrow, but uh, we'll look forward to seeing the community here on this podcast again. And uh, hope everybody enjoyed it, and have a wonderful day.